0: you're listening to English with Monty the podcast about the English language if you're an English language learner have a keen interest in language or you're a teacher then this podcast is for you we give tips and advice and discuss topics about learning and teaching we hope you find it fun and informative that it gives you help and encouragement in your journey with the English language Hello, welcome to English with Monty. We're doing our 11th episode today. I am joined today by Brody, who's a chap that I play tag rugby with, and we're going to be talking about accents. So hi, Brody, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, good, thanks.
0: Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, no worries. Let me explain to the listeners. We're going to be talking about accents and phrases from kind of Australia and Scotland. I guess it's fair to say, Brody, that you have an Australian accent.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. It's probably faded a bit over the years because I've been living in the UK for um, about 10 years now. But yeah, that's sort of the accent I'd probably relate to the most.
0: Yeah, sure. Can you give the listeners a bit of a background in terms of where you're from originally and why you do speak the way you do? Uh, yeah, sure. I was
1: born in Hull in England actually, but my dad worked in oil and gas as a kid me and my sisters traveled around the world quite a lot with my just following my dad where his job used to change. So from England, we were in Scotland and my parents are originally Scottish. And then we were in Australia when I was seven years old and then back in the UK for a bit, then back in Australia. And then my dad was working in China for a bit as well. So I used to go to school, like boarding school in Australia and then mm-hmm. visit China on holidays. But then I moved back to the UK sort of permanently in 2007.
0: I mean, obviously we've spoken about this a, a few times, haven't we, in terms of, you know, kind of your accent and stuff and, and your family. I seem to remember you saying to me something about the fact that when you were boarding school in Australia you wanted to fit in a bit more.
1: Yeah because first time around in Australia I was only there for three years and mm-hmm. then I went back to Scotland for um, a couple of years. Yeah I arrived back in Scotland with like long hair I'd been going to the beach a lot and suddenly I was in like Aberdeenshire no one had long hair who was a boy like <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was sort of getting a bit bullied for having long hair and being a bit different. felt like I needed to sort of Get back to my Scottish roots, went back into sort of Scottish accent. But then when I moved back to Australia because my dad changed jobs again, sort of like doing the same thing all over again, had to sort of lose the Scottish accent and get the Australian accent back.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of curious though. I mean, that, that must have been quite difficult to switch, was it?
1: I think it felt a bit weird going back to Scottish because I just sort of got set in my ways with the Australian accent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because I found going back from Scottish to Australian felt a lot more natural just felt a bit easier. Yeah, the Scottish accent, yeah, it's a little bit trickier.
0: Would you say you you were kind of copying it in a way?
1: Sort of. I mean, a bit came from my parents. My dad doesn't have a super strong Scottish accent, but my mum does. Just something I wasn't really thinking about too much at the time. But now looking back, it's, yeah, it's a bit strange.
0: I think it's really interesting. Also, I think for the listeners, it's quite interesting to maybe understand if they can hear a difference between my accent and your accent sometimes for foreigners it's a real challenge to understand a different accent
1: yeah i find it interesting when people don't really understand scottish accents because even though i don't really speak with a scottish accent i understand a lot of the slang and just the way the words change you know from like a typical like london english accent so yeah it is interesting just maybe if you've sort of grown up around it it sort of makes a bit more sense
0: could you, I mean, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but it, is it possible for you to do quite an Australian phrase with quite a strong Australian accent and then do something similar in a Scottish accent? Is it possible for you to do that just so that people can hear the difference? Uh,
1: Yeah, give it a shot for Australian, I guess. G'day mate, how you doing? What are you up to today? You going to the beach later or are you going to pop in wine? That's good, it's a
0: bit stronger, I like it.
1: If I'm speaking to another Australian person, it just sort of comes out. I'll just sound a lot more Australian. The same goes with Scottish a little bit as well.
0: Because you're hearing them, it helps you to kind of emulate the same sound in some way, I guess. Yeah,
1: and it's sort of like adapting your accent for the situation, I suppose.
0: I think for anybody who's learning English to some extent, it's not necessary, is it? Of course. I guess it's more to understand the difference when you're listening to somebody, but there are English learners who can really copy accents and they're very good at it. it's yeah. interesting to hear somebody who can do that okay scottish accent now
1: all right this one will be probably be a bit tougher for me i was not a bad day like yeah a bit three like but yeah not
0: bad that's good i would say you're scottish suppose your parents they speak like that do they in a similar way
1: no not really um they're both from uh, caithness which is in the northeast of scotland mm-hmm My mum's family are all from Wick, which is where they grew up. But my dad's family came from sort of Edinburgh. That side of the family have more of an Edinburgh accent. It's a bit more well-spoken, more English. Whereas the Caithness accent's a bit different. It's got influences from Norway because of the Vikings. Okay. It sort of probably sounds a bit more like Celtic Scots than my dad's accents.
0: Okay, that's interesting. But I was very impressed. I mean, I thought that sounded really good. I've never heard you speak that way, so that's pretty cool. Could you explain the slang a little bit?
1: The word like I in Scotland is used a lot just as yes or it's just like an agreement, I guess you would say I. Probably stems back to England as well, you know, like in some parts probably don't say much anymore.
0: Certainly in Yorkshire, they do say that. I mean, my mum's from Yorkshire and if you have a a broad Yorkshire accent, then yeah, people would say I definitely to say yes. So, yeah,
1: maybe it's like more of a northern uk sort of thing
0: very much so i think i mean i'm from the midlands and you don't get that in the midlands
1: i said drink as well if the day's a bit miserable and gray that's like a scots word for um, a miserable day basically
0: ah okay i'm going to talk about maybe a few aussie phrases which i think most people in the uk would know about and potentially use and it'd be also interesting to see what your viewpoint is on this and whether you maybe pick up on people using these things a bit more. For example, as a phrase, I would often use the phrase, no worries. And I think a lot of people Uh do. And I guess that's more of an Australian phrase originally, isn't it? No worries.
1: Yeah. And so too is like, mate, people say that a lot more in Australia than they do over here, probably.
0: I guess people listening in South America or Korea and places like that will often be taught in American English. And I guess the Americans would say you're welcome. So it's kind of like, thank you. And then, in Australian you say no worries mate. Is that right? Yeah exactly.
1: I guess it's a little less formal. It's a bit more casual. So you'd probably say it between friends but you could even say it in like professional sort of capacity as well.
0: Yeah. Another one that I think probably we use over here is Barbie. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> These are probably quite silly things I guess in a way but they're Port- quite universal sorry. now aren't they?
1: Yeah it's funny how things just sort of spread from originating in australia then they pop up in other places too because i think uh a lot of life in australia like is based outdoors quite a strong barbecue culture in australia so yeah there's a lot of slang to do with barbecuing
0: (laughs) i guess people would use that though right they would consistently use those kind of phrases right people would say yeah i'm gonna have a barbie with my friends
1: yeah you wouldn't say oh would you come around to mine on saturday for a barbecue you'd probably say oh you coming around for a barbie it's just a bit more informal and a bit of slang.
0: Yeah, I like it. Then the only other one that I really use is maybe Arvo to say in the afternoon.
1: Yeah, I think some people say that in the UK as well, actually. But yeah, it's definitely an Australian thing to say, like afternoon Arvo. Uh, it's one that I use a lot as well.
0: Yeah, and the Arvo. Well, I, I think it's quite a nice phrase, isn't it? Because it seems a lot easier to say than afternoon.
1: So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, a lot of Australian slang is, is basically like English words shortened, adding an O or... Um, an ah or you know like just sort of yeah abbreviating it a bit
0: definitely it makes it quite familiar doesn't it like as in a bit friendlier than in britain maybe we're a bit too formal in that respect
1: yeah it sort of does break down conversations quite nicely you know you can turn something that could be formal into a more you know relaxed and digestible conversation i guess like
0: Mm. what other phrases might there be that might be interesting for the listeners
1: the classic g'day which is just good day or saying hello which i think most people know about
0: yeah i guess so would most people use that though in everyday talk
1: a little bit i think in the country it's probably used a bit more a bit more of a rural thing but it is used in the city as well okay oh i don't know well there you go don't know (laughs) just (laughs) i don't know to don't know (laughs) well australia's got quite a good drinking culture so there's quite a lot of slang words and phrases for that. For instance, Australia, if you want to buy alcohol, you wouldn't go to your local shop, you'd go to a specific outlet for it called a bottle shop. In okay. Australia, it's abbreviated as Bottle-o. Bottle-O. And you even get drive-thru ones.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I haven't heard that one before.
1: If you go to your supermarket, they won't sell alcohol, they'll just sell groceries. Yeah, you nip down the bottle and grab some uh, stubbies, probably, or some
0: tinnies. (laughs) Some stubbies or some tinnies? Yeah. Okay, and a stubby is like a small bottle, is that right?
1: Yeah, stubby is a small bottle and uh, tinnies is a can.
0: Okay. Would you say boozer for a pub, or is that... Probably not. Oh, yeah, you could do,
1: (laughs) yeah. It's funny because I left Australia just as I turned 18. I had like a handful of nights out in Australian pubs. Most of my pub culture is more English, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay, no, fair enough. Yeah,
1: probably just be kind of similar to the UK, like Boozer or... Um...
0: I suppose things like that, because they've kind of been used in both countries, sometimes it's difficult to know where the origins are from. Yeah. According to what I've read, potentially it could be from Australia, but a lot of English people would use that as a normal phrase. It doesn't always become clear, does it, where the word comes from necessarily?
1: Yeah, it's true. And especially in today where it's so easy to travel and things are getting more and more muddied, I guess, yeah. compared to our parents' time. It was people had more set personalities or, um, you know, identities.
0: Definitely. As you say, with people travelling around, it just kind of mixes everything up, doesn't it? Precisely. Is there any other phrases you wanted to talk about at all? thing
1: in Australia called mateship. It surrounds, like, the word mate, which we talked about earlier. It comes from back in the war, you had the Anzacs. It sort of comes from this unity of men. And also, like, when Australia first started up as a place where convicts were, you know, people were in pretty tough conditions. So they had to sort of band together to get through it. The word mate comes from that sort of mateship, which is like a cultural identity for Australia. I don't know any other country that has that. There's such an emphasis on the word mate to be behind it like that.
0: Because it is important in terms of using that phrase, isn't it? Obviously, again, in Britain, we use the word mate, don't we? But perhaps it's used more in the South, I guess fair to say but maybe
1: probably that's interesting because i think in the south of england the australian accent it mainly comes from the south of england and you can sort of see similarities between cockney and australian which i've definitely noticed living in london for the last few years
0: it's quite possible that when people went over to australia originally there was that influence from the east end of london or, or london in general to yeah the australian accent and language
1: i'm guessing most convicts were coming from england and mm-hmm. i'm guessing because london was probably the biggest city there was like quite an influx from that particular spot
0: i guess that makes sense right
1: yeah australia is just like a smelting pot of irish scottish welsh and then europeans like they're quite big greek and italian communities in australia as well
0: so i had one phrase which i thought was quite funny i'm gonna try and do a very bad <laughs> Australian accent
1: yeah go for
0: it <laughs> there was these two Australian girls walking down the beach there was a couple of English guys walking in the o- other direction one of the girls when she was walking past them was like ah oh, shit I snapped my thong <laughs> and both of the guys turned around really quickly because yeah. obviously in British English that means something very different to Australian. yeah yeah because uh I guess the thong
1: in the UK or in Europe, is you think of the, um, a woman's lingerie, a piece of underwear. Uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> whereas
1: um, in Australia, that's a flip-flop.
0: Exactly. Something you would wear to the beach, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, interesting, I was reading up on this. The Australian word for thong was around before it was used as thong for a piece of underwear. Oh, really? So I think that came from the 1960s, whereas thong has only been used since the 90s. Uh, ah,
0: that's quite curious. Might be wrong but <laughs> you know if it's right it's very interesting. I mean the actual flip-flop idea is before in Australia you've always called them thongs and then we adopted the meaning later on.
1: I think so. Yeah. You can sort of see why I mean it does sort of look like a thong on your foot, just a small piece of rubber holding onto the actual sole. So, definitely.
0: Yeah. I like that one. You've reached the midpoint of the episode and we thought we'd ask you a quick quiz question about which word has the most number of definitions. So that question again, which word has the most number of definitions? We'll answer your question at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. What about Scottish phrases? What kind of Scottish phrases would people hear when they go up there i've got a few maybe if you start off and see what you come up with first
1: if you're visiting the highlands you'll definitely hear the word Loch a lot
0: <laughs> yeah sure
1: just the scottish word for lake. okay and but then there's more to do with that as well like there's words like burn which is a stream okay a glen which is a valley there's all sorts of like alternative scots words for landmarks geographical differences you sort of just come to know the more you go out there basically
0: another one a can as well as.
1: yeah that's right cairns like commander stones okay and you also get these things called brochs which are sort of man-made iron age structures no one's actually really sure what they were or- okay it's a bit of speculation around those actually in glasgow people if they're having a night out and having a good time you might say you might be dancing and you might go
0: <laughs> get lowly get
1: just like go for it okay you could use that say like you're trying to push something or you're exerting making effort to ex- do something someone might be like come on aldi. oh okay i think it can be sort of adapted for different situations i like that one very like glasgow though i think is it okay yeah, yeah. so it's
0: more from that kind of area
1: i wouldn't really say that yeah
0: okay all right fair enough <laughs> i guess these are the things that most british people would know like we to mean something that's small oh yeah so it's like a, it's a wee dog which means it's a small dog
1: yeah you could also use it as in like oh it's a wee bit chilly or
0: that's true yeah that's a good point tatty maybe like for yeah. a potato haggis sneeps and tatties
1: i think most people probably know what haggis is if you don't it's like a mixture of sheep's innards The are less used things like the lungs and that's mixed with like oats and spices and wrapped in a sheep's stomach and you boil it to cook it
0: okay and how is that i've never actually had it is it tasty? really yeah, I should have it, really. It's bad that I have never had it. It's a disgrace, I know. <laughs> How does it taste? Is it nice? Yeah, I love it. I sort of associate it with
1: colder months. I wouldn't really have in the summer, but uh, in winter, I love it, yeah. Especially on Burns Night, which is on the 25th of January. Um, you'd have that with Neeps and Tatties, which is turnips and potatoes, or okay. sweet, I guess. So uh, it's pretty basic. You just mash your potatoes, you mash it, you turn it, and serve it up on a plate.
0: Okay, yeah. I can imagine it being really tasty, though. I think another aspect of British food in general, there's a bit of a stereotype. Maybe it's the stereotype more comes from England, to be honest. There's a yeah. bit of a stereotype that British food is not very good. The reality is is that we do have some really good food, don't we? It's just discovering it and trying it, really, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you've probably seen in London, like, food and things have, like, improved dramatically in the last 10, 20 years compared to what they were probably, like in the 90s and further back
0: yeah very much so yeah
1: like especially in London it's just there's so many different cultures in one place that people are opening all sorts of different restaurants now and yeah haggis, neeps and tatties harks back to like sort of simpler times where you only had x amount of ingredients and you had to make do with what you had and
0: I think a lot of the food though is from older times isn't it when people as you said had to make do people were poor or because they were working on the land really weren't they
1: yeah life was tough couldn't really be fussy
0: (laughs) sure definitely a couple of other phrases I thought about was like bonnie
1: ah yeah that's a good one bonnie it's um like as before you could sort of use that in the context of the day is bonnie like it's beautiful or you could even use it if you um had a romantic interest you could be like oh she's bonnie as in she's
0: beautiful would you say bonnie lass I mean is that kind of something that people would use nowadays or is it
1: uh i think like if you said like oh she's a bonnie lass i mean people do say it i suppose but it would be a little bit cringy i guess (laughs) or uh, a stereotypical phrase like
0: (laughs) stereotypical phrase and maybe it's kind of considered a little bit old-fashioned now yeah (laughs) yeah sure
1: yeah Uh, it kind of makes you think of like you know the uh writer sir walter scott
0: yeah
1: yeah because he was very flamboyant in scotland's culture and so yeah he would probably use phrases like that
0: <laughs> okay yeah it's more a traditional aspect a traditional idea i guess yeah and then canny as well canny yeah um i don't really use that one too much sorry i was just gonna say i always remember it from star trek ah okay <laughs> when uh <laughs> i, I can't remember it. the name of the guy but there was a scottish guy he was like i canny do it captain ah right yeah yeah <laughs>
1: I always think of that one maybe as like being from Glasgow or like the lowlands. Can I do it? <laughs> it's like, I can't do it. But so, yeah, that is very Scottish. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good good expression.
1: To add one, because I lived in Aberdeenshire for a little bit, quite a lot of phrases there, which are sort of specific to that area.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One would be like, fit like, which is from derived from Doric. That's basically saying, how's it going? Fit like. Fit like. Interesting. And you might also say, um, dear Ken. Which and that means... Do you know? Ah. It's a whole other kettlefish story.
0: That's curious, though. But if, for example, somebody comes to Scotland or comes to Australia, and obviously they're a non native speaker, do you think they'd find it pretty difficult to speak to people, or do you think it's not too bad? No,
1: I, th- I think it'd be fine. I can see why people might be put off a little bit, especially if you're going to Glasgow, because it is renowned for having quite a strong accent. It's just like anywhere you go, there's always going to be people you're going to maybe have a little bit of difficulty understanding, but it's just the same as going to London or Birmingham or...
0: (laughs) It kind of really depends on who you meet. Obviously, if somebody has a very strong accent, then yeah, it can be a a bit more challenging, can't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. I guess the best thing to do is just try and listen and be patient. People don't really get offended if you ask them to repeat themselves.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that's also a good thing to say to people who are learning... English or speaking English when it's not their language is that people don't mind at all do they they really are quite happy to help they're not going to have a problem if you ask them to repeat it yeah Um,
1: exactly for instance my girlfriend is French and she's constantly asking me to repeat myself and I'm asking her to repeat herself at times because there's just little things that we don't quite get right like understand each other you just got to be patient it can be frustrating but eventually you get there
0: (laughs) definitely yeah but it's just not feeling kind of so self-conscious isn't it and not being worried about that because people are not going to be unpleasant at all about it i mean particularly i guess australians and scottish people they're both extremely friendly people aren't they and they're very patient people and easygoing people
1: definitely yeah i think especially like in australia if you're not from there. Because Australia is so isolated in the world, people are always interested to meet people from Europe or America or South America. They'll just be very curious about you. They'll be more than happy to wait for you to um, repeat yourself
0: and stuff. Sure. Yeah. That's good to know, though. For all the listeners, don't worry. I mean, just go for it. We could say, no worries, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> exactly, that's it. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there are any final questions you wanted to ask me, because I was thinking of wrapping things up now. I was sort of thinking about this before the show, when you're teaching, do you like teach your students
1: about accents? Does that come into the curriculum very much?
0: It doesn't too often. I mean, we do sometimes talk about it a little bit. And I know most learners do have a difficulty with the Scottish accent, especially over the phone. It's probably something that I should focus a bit more on. And I'd be interested to get feedback from listeners and to see if they do want to learn a bit more about accents i think they are an important aspect sure and that's partly why i wanted to do the podcast today really it's focusing on that idea
1: i see i've been learning uh french in my spare time one tip i got from a french teacher a while ago was brian speak with a french accent when you're doing it i try to do that and i was just wondering if maybe the same as with english like that's what you try and do as well
0: It's not a primary recommendation to people to do that. I mean, obviously, if people do want to do that, then yeah, I guess it's a nice thing in a way. But I don't know. I mean, my philosophy has always been that in terms of an accent, it's almost a secondary consideration. I see. And perhaps I shouldn't necessarily focus on it in that way. Perhaps I should maybe make it a bit more of a thing. I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't know about you. Obviously, you have a French girlfriend, but for example, the French accent by British people is seen as a sexy accent. Yeah. (laughs) If you have a French person speaking English, it's considered attractive when they actually speak with a French accent. I don't know. I mean, I think things like that is it gives you identity in some way, doesn't it? And accents are often seen as a very nice thing, a very endearing thing. You know, I have had students that have said to me, oh, can I change my accent? Should I change my accent? And... Normally, I say, well, you can change it, but it does take a bit of work. I mean, there are some people that just pick it up totally naturally because they have a bit of an ear for language, for example, or sounds in general. It's not necessary. If you can improve things a little bit, then it probably helps with understanding. Okay. I guess.
1: Depending on where you are, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it was probably good advice for you from the person that said that to you. Definitely. I mean, I suppose in an ideal world, yes, try and adopt the accent and try and choose the accent that you would like to copy, I guess. It's not essential. Of course, it's going to help in terms of people's understanding. Yeah. But maybe an aspect to it is that people will think that you're from France rather than being from Ah. where you're from. (laughs) In some cases, that can be a good thing. And in some cases, Mm. that's not always good. I think with accent, it's just go with whatever you feel comfortable with. If it's really, really important for you, then sure, go for it. Try and emulate whichever accent you would like to copy.
1: Because you quite often hear, especially if people learn English overseas, they'll have a sort of American accent. They'll be taught like American English. Sure. But then I guess if you're taught English in London, for example, you might have more of a British sounding accent.
0: I guess so, yeah. In theory? In theory, certainly. Either accent is fine, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I would say the American accent is probably a bit clearer in some ways because they enunciate more clearly, I would say generally, because I guess they don't have so much of an influence in terms of different accents. Mm. I don't know if this is true, but I seem to remember reading in the United States there's maybe five different distinct accents. Oh, right, okay. Maybe there's more than that, but certainly ones that you can tell the difference between, whereas... Obviously, in Britain, we have probably hundreds of different accents, don't we?
1: They're all uh, very close proximity to each other. Very much so. Definitely Uh, one of the most interesting things about the UK is you can drive 50 miles somewhere and have a totally different accent.
0: Where I'm from, I'm from a village between Birmingham and Coventry, and Coventry doesn't really have an accent or a strong accent. You can hear it if you're from the area, but it doesn't have the same accent certainly as Birmingham I mean Birmingham is a very strong accent
1: yeah it is
0: (laughs) everybody kind of knows that accent don't they because it's very distinctive
1: yeah definitely
0: well I'll have to do another episode on that (laughs) just on Birmingham (laughs) just on Birmingham yeah (laughs) we'll wrap up but thanks very much for joining me Brady I really appreciate you talking about things today yeah no worries And (laughs) (laughs) hopefully that gives people a better idea of how accents work and different phrases and things like that. Write in if you're interested in learning some more. So John at MontyEnglish.co.uk. Guess if you want to ask Brody as well potentially about experiences in Scotland or Australia, would that be okay, Brody? If if somebody. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Perfect. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it, and I'll I'll see you later on this evening for our game of tag rugby. Ah, yeah. Can't wait. Tune in soon for English with Monty. Remember our quiz question from earlier about which word has the most number of definitions? Well, the answer is the word set with 464 definitions. So, really quite a lot. Well, you better get learning. Tune in next time to English with Monty.